I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Much debate and hand wringing. We have decided to name this show Amazing Avenue Audio. So, welcome back, everybody, to Amazing Avenue Audio. I'm Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And um, hope you guys are enjoying the new podcasts on our newly formed network. It's been a lot of fun to introduce you guys to them. And, uh, you know, Chris and I haven't done this, we just figured out, since the middle of February, which is crazy. But we're back. Uh, we are six games into the baseball season. The Mets are five and one. And uh, Chris, how do you feel overall about the Mets right now? Cautiously optimistic. And I, I had a joke, so I'm going to go to that first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, to, to borrow uh, a concept from Wilco, I guess, I don't know if we'll actually go with this, but it, we could say this is Amazing Avenue Audio in parentheses, the podcast or the show. Sorry. The show? the show yeah yeah I, I, i'm it's all for audio the podcast network so yeah i i am all for that title actually yeah so here i there we go okay amazing avenue audio the show yes <laughs> we're in double uh entendre with the show being major league baseball absolutely there we go. look at look at these things that are happening and, and we are both pretty big wilco fans yeah so that that is totally appropriate so there you have it, folks. <laughs> but as for as for the Mets, yeah, um, yeah, it's you know a little more than a year ago, I was expressing to people how difficult it would be for the Mets to miss the playoffs in some fashion, based on their record and probability, <laughs> and the Mets defied the odds. So you know, I, I I would always have that caveat that okay. You know, it's a long season. Nothing's guaranteed. But, man, it looks good. It feels good and all that. Um, and it did. And right now it does, too. Um, you know, they're not they're not quite at 11-1. and one. Uh, A friend of mine expressed earlier today that he kind of doesn't want them to be exactly 11-1 and one this year. Yeah, that feels like a cursed number. As, uh, as our friends on a pot of their own said yesterday, that that number just, like, gives you dread now. So, you know, they could be 12-1. and one, I mean, that's what they, they could be 12 and two right. or, you know, whatever. But 11 and one just feels like a cursed number at this point. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely a, a thing to it. And, you know, not even uh, the superstitious aspect, not that we are, but, you know, just knowing that if they wound up exactly there, it would be talked about constantly. It, exactly. It would and become I, the talking point for the next, you know. For whenever they inevitably lose that second, that third game or whatever, you know, oh, they've lost two in a row now, you know, same thing as last year, just it would never stop. Right. But I do think they will lose a Jason Vargas start before they get to 11 wins. <laughs> um, 
I, I hope to be wrong. I want, you know, I'll take 20 and one. <laughs> if you want to rattle that off, that, that's fine. That, I, I guess that's the thing, too. If we are fortunate enough that they got to 11 and one, I want them to blow past it. Like, it can't just stop there. You know, it can't be 11 and one and then a loss. Right. 10, 10 and two and then five wins. Great. 11 and one. I need like three or four more wins. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, so so let, let's kind of dig in like beat by beat here for the team. Let's start with the offense because I think that going into the season, everybody felt the offense would be improved. But I don't know if any of us necessarily thought the offense would look as good as it has thus far. So who's sort of been a standout offensive player to you, uh, you know, the first six games into the season? I mean, man, it's hard not to just go with Alonzo as the easy answer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, I mean, he's just hitting the ball so hard. Uh, You know, the the home run he hit was just incredible. Um, You know, Keith Hernandez is frequently comparing his hard hit line drives to Giancarlo Stanton, and it's not ridiculous you know like he's hitting the ball in that fashion obviously he needs to do that for all of this season and several more you know to to get himself up to that stanton-esque uh sort of reputation and you know just level of being established as a major league player but yeah i mean it's it's been pretty awesome uh and then uh, wilson ramos Man, like he just he knows how to hit, you know, and and it's easy to pick these guys who have their first weeks, but they're both new to the either to the Mets entirely or to the major league Mets, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, they just they both seem like they have a really good idea of what they're doing up there. Um, And they've stood out maybe a little bit more because, you know, Michael Conforto uh, didn't get off to a blistering start. Thus far, he's he's been good. I mean, he's hitting 360 in him. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but you know, he, he it's not like anybody's hit five home runs. Uh, Cano and Nimmo have gotten off to slow starts, so it's even easier for those guys to stand out to me. Um, but you know, they've both played quite a bit, and it's just Ramos looks like the guy who everybody thought he could be back when he was a prospect coming up through the twin system. Um, and I guess you could say the same about Alonzo now. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention that in addition to comparing him to Giancarlo Stanton, Keith also keeps talking about his Spanish blood. Have you heard this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We've dabbled with the notion, uh, of getting a third version of the GKR drinking game out into the universe. Mm -hmm. And at some point earlier tonight in Slack, I said, I think we need to add the Spanish bloodline to like a potential new game. Whether or not Keith should be saying this is another topic entirely. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Keith Hernandez already in midseason form, obviously. Um, I, I, I feel like if anybody can get away with it in the way he's saying it, it's him. Yes. But it's, Yeah. It's just an odd thing to keep bringing up. Yeah, it's like to me, it's almost like it's his his reminder to people 
that his you know that his name comes from Spanish descent, you know? Oh, that's absolutely what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but the way he says it sounds like a Ron Burgundy bit. <laughs> like, oh, that's Spanish blood. You know? <laughs> it's just very, very weird. It's very Keith. The whole thing is very, very Keith. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with with all the people that you talked about. Um, you know, Pete Alonso has been so much fun to watch. It's It's really nice to have a prospect come up and just hit the shit out of the ball. It you know the the Mets have had a fair amount of pitching prospects come up and have instant success. And you know, I guess Conforto and Nimmo both had relatively quick success in the majors, but not the way Alonso has. Like he just came out of the out of the gate just killing it. And it's nice to see him being rewarded for the team taking a chance on him, you know, the um you know, Brody said he wanted to bring the best 25 players north and that he said you know you can't really do that without Alonso and and it he's correct and I'm really glad that he made that decision because it's been just a pleasure to watch Alonso play the first week and uh I think it was tonight it was tonight or last night they were talking about how they think that Alonso's just, just going to get a crazy city field reception opening day tomorrow and I think that's absolutely correct and the fans are going to fall in love with this guy yeah, yeah. Um, I I would add a sort of surprising offensive force thus far, and it has not been with power at all. It's just been with singles essentially. But Dom Smith has been a pretty nice surprise so far for the Mets this season. And uh, you know, I I am not advocating for the Mets to do anything with Dom Smith. They aren't already doing. You know, he should be a pinch hitter and defensive replacement. But in that role, he has been surprisingly solid. It's been really interesting and fun to watch him thrive in a in, in a part-time role. And, uh, yeah, I, I never thought I'd be this high on Dom Smith doing anything in 2019. Yeah, and, you know, throw in there that uh, he's just a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, the, the way he and Alonzo have interacted with each other and supported each other and you know, Smith has this thing in common with Nimmo where it's, you know, maybe a slightly different, uh, you know, take on the on the concept. But there's this sort of just like this happiness and like an aw shucks kind of thing, you know, yeah. like, uh, like, wow, I scored that run in the major leagues. And, you know, I like I busted it around the bases and it worked out. And it just seems, you know, it. it, it it seems so genuine, you know, with, with him. Um, and it always has with Nimmo and it does with Alonzo, you know, it's just, I don't really leave McNeil out of it either, but you know, it's just, it's refreshing to see guys having a good time. Uh, obviously we know that's easier when the team is winning and you know, those individuals are, playing particularly well themselves, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. There's, uh, I forget who it was, uh, but somebody, you know, somebody in, in our Slack had said, like, there's nobody on this team that I don't like. Yeah. You know, it, that, that may have changed with J.D. Davis's play at third base. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that, but yeah. Yeah, and I think with Smith, it's especially noticeable because his first couple of trips up were just so miserable. 
and not not entirely by his own doing either. It's just that he was the victim of circumstance and a victim of hype, and he didn't live up to that hype. And so I think that for um, for Smith, just you know, I don't think of him as a particularly happy player in his early tenure with the team. So to see him just be all smiles lately has been a lot of fun. And it, and hopefully it, it's a good second act to his Mets story. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, it's uh, it, coming into the year. He had hit some home runs, but, you know, overall there wasn't really much success there as a hitter. Yeah, it's nice to see. All right, well, let's let's shift our our focus over to the starting pitching, and you know we got to start this conversation as any conversation, but Mets starting pitching should start with Jacob Degrom, who I believe at press time has uh, struck out twenty four and walked two. Does that sound right to you? Struck out twenty five and walked two. Double check. Yeah, no, twenty four and two. Yeah, yeah. thirteen innings. <laughs> <laughs> which is just uh, absolutely insane. Uh, he is off to an incredibly good start. Tonight's game in particular, he just looked utterly dominant. Just yeah. you know, barely broke a sweat, struck out 14 people, gave up three hits, one of which at least is a bullshit scorer's decision. That should have been an error. And he's just picking up exactly where he left off last season. And it is glorious to watch. But aside from, uh, we'll, we'll get more into Degrom in a minute. But aside from Degrom, what have you thought of the starting rotation thus far? Well, um, you know, Syndergaard and Wheeler both were human in in their first starts. You know, neither one of them was exactly terrible, but uh, you know, they're both uh, through one start that ERAs of six and seven point two respectively. Uh, you know, obviously that's not exactly what you wanted. Um, with Wheeler, his start could have gone a little bit longer. His pitch count was pretty high, um, you know, on a, on a per inning basis. But I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, the the circumstances of that inning um, sort of played into it heavily. Uh, but yeah, he, I thought Syndergaard looked fine and it just the results weren't quite there wheeler looked like you know maybe a little more similar to uh relatively speaking to grom's first start where like ah that's not quite like that's not the guy who who we saw last year you know right um, but in Degrom's case that's six shutout innings <laughs> in wheeler's case it's five innings and you know giving up a few runs um but you know overall uh, as much as you can gather information from, you know, very, very early in the season, uh, both of those two had plenty of strikeouts for how, you know, how long they were in the game. Um, you know, walks, Syndergaard didn't walk anybody. Um, you know, Wheeler, like DeGrom, is under two walks per nine. Again, extremely early. But, yeah, they, they both just kind of looked human. Um, you know, with Syndergaard, my expectation is significantly higher than Wheeler. And I'm hopeful that Wheeler can be the guy that, he, you know, he was in the second half last year. But he, to me, he's clearly number three 
on my list of expectations. So, yeah, I guess the overall answer is they look fine. Um, you know, one good start, and all of a sudden it'll be like, all right, those stats look nice, and then you build from there. Yeah. I uh, I did want to talk a little bit about Jason Vargas's start yesterday. So Vargas went five innings, gave up two runs, and, you know, it, it was a pretty Vargas outing. In in a smaller ballpark, he probably would have given up six home runs. It seemed like there were a lot of hard oh, yeah. balls deep to the outfield yesterday. But I was very frustrated when the Mets almost blew that game because I feel like there are, there's going to be a lot of games this season where if you could get five innings and two runs out of Vargas, you'd be thrilled with that result. So you have to take advantage of those starts when he gives you them because next time out, like you said before, you know the Mets are probably going to lose a Vargas start before they get to 11 and 1 precisely because he's going to throw, you know, 30 pitches in the first inning, give up four runs and then you're working from four runs behind for the rest of the game. So when he gives you a decent start, you really got to take advantage of that. And the fact that the Mets almost blew that start is frustrating. Not quite as frustrating as the Mets almost blowing DeGrom's start tonight. Um <laughs> But we're going to talk more about that and, and sort of the bullpen usage in a few minutes. Um, How do you think Matt's looked? Uh, decent, you know. I mean, the results were pretty good. I I missed the Stephen Matz who struck guys out more. You know, I know on the broadcast, Gary Cohen uh, had, had mentioned that. I Okay, I think it was about Matt's. It may have been about Wheeler, but I'm pretty sure it was about Matt's of, you know, not trying to strike guys out anymore. Like I, I've never agreed that that's a good thing for a pitcher to stop trying to do. Right. Um, you know, the, uh, I'm a broken record on this exact topic, but if hitter strikeouts are so bad, why is it, why do we criticize pitchers for trying to strike hitters out? Right. doesn't make any sense, but, um, you know, I mean, you look back, uh, maybe, uh, 2017 is a more distant season, and it was a you know smaller sample of innings from Matt's. His strikeout rate last year wasn't great, but it was it was okay. You know, it was kind of in line with his norms. Um, but yeah, it's I just missed the Stephen Matt's who threw a slider and had that ability to go out and be like, wow, this guy is dominant. You know, I kind of feel like you know the however they shuffle it up he's you know he, he really feels like the number four starter that he is when you look at the pecking order of this mm. rotation right now um and that's it's not like super depressing or anything but it's definitely a little bit of like ah, you, you know I'd, I'd love for him to find something and feel like oh wait maybe he's the number three maybe he's better than wheeler um you know, that, that would be a pleasant surprise. But just watching him pitch, it was just like, okay. Like, I know this Steven Matz, uh, I, I wouldn't gladly, um, you know, go see him pitch in person. Hmm. I mean, right now, there's a big difference in, you know, I was looking at the uh, two-game series against the Twins and possibly getting to one of those games. And I, I think it lines up that one of the games could be Vargas and the other one DeGrom. Okay. Like, if you have the free time to choose between those two nights, you arrange your week mm -hmm. around going to the game to see DeGrom. Of course. Um, but at the same time, you know, 
I'd, I'd give that tiebreaker to Mats and Wheeler and, and certainly Syndergaard too. Uh, so yeah, it's Degrom looks like he somehow might be better than last year, which yes. is insane. Yes, it is. Uh, and Syndergaard and Wheeler, I think, just need a, a strong start under their belts. They looked. I thought Syndergaard looked a little bit better, um, and relative to himself, uh, than Wheeler did. And then I think Matt's kind of looked like what you'd expect, and and Vargas did too. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you know. Yeah, I, I want to draw your attention to a couple of of stats for tonight. Okay. Uh, Jacob DeGrom is the first Mets pitcher to strike out at least 14 batters since John Mayne on September 29th, 20, uh, 2007, which is the day he threw the one-hitter, and also the day he got married. So nice. there's that. Um, pitchers to strike out at least 14 and hit a home run in the same game since 1969, Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, Steve Carlton, Madison Bumgarner, Jacob DeGrom. Pretty impressive lineup there, <laughs> but here is the most impressive stat of all. Right, I think I know which one this is. <laughs> Jacob Degrom hit one home run and struck out fourteen batters tonight. The Angels, as a team, have hit one home run this season, and their starters have fifteen strikeouts combined over six games. Wow. Okay. That 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 is impressive. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Jeez. Uh, really? Yeah. Man, Angels, yeah. what are you doing? I have no idea, but that's an incredible run of uh, of stats there. DeGrom just looked so unbelievably good tonight, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe that all of this is due to his extension, because that would be silly, but I do think that it probably takes a fair amount of weight off of his shoulders to know that he and his family are taken care of forever because of the extension that the Mets signed him to. And I wonder if there's a bit of residual just relaxation that comes from that. Because, man, you know, he really battled on opening day, but but he battled in a way where he knew he didn't have his best stuff, and so he was pitching... He was pitching in a way to... How can I put this? He was pitching in a way that he was working around his difficulties that day. Whereas today he knew he did have his best stuff and just didn't let up. I mean, it wasn't until the sixth inning, I think that he broke out his changeup and then struck out everybody he faced with that changeup. He just kept getting better and better. It's unbelievable to watch. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, not, not putting him down, but it is crazy that 14 is his career high in strikeouts. Yeah. Like, it just seems, on a night like tonight, you know, if he has that, and especially against the Marlins team like this, but if he has what he had tonight, he can make any lineup look like that. Yeah. And it just seems like one of these nights, you know, why couldn't he have 17, 18, 19 strikeouts? Uh, It's, yeah. I, I, he somehow he makes you want more uh, <laughs> when it, you know he's he's pretty much like, when you have a zero ERA for more than one start, you know that's um, that that's impressive. You know 
however long you can keep that going is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just, let's take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the Mets bullpen and the Mets manager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, Chris, we got to talk about the worst part of the Mets season thus far, and that is Mets manager Mickey Calloway. Uh, six games in, and Calloway has done some truly preposterous things uh, from the bench, specifically involving the Mets bullpen usage. Let's just go through a couple of uh, of examples so far. On Saturday, he uh, he left Seth Lugo in a game with a seven-run lead, and almost blew the lead. Um, because of that, Lugo was not available on Sunday, and Justin Wilson worked a second inning that led to the Mets' sole loss on the season. I'm not saying that that Lugo would have not done that, but, you know, just saying. Then Lugo came out of the bullpen on, I guess it was last night, right? Yep. And looked terrible again because, again, he sat for a long time and, you know, he just didn't have it. And then it turns out Lugo's been sick the whole time and Mickey is still playing him. Uh, then tonight you have Luis Avalon, who is a loogie, a one-out guy, trying to go two innings for the Mets, which makes absolutely no sense to me. And the Mets took a six-run lead into the ninth inning and then uh, wound up winning the game 6-4 with men on base. And... Uh, it's been a lot of weird double switches. J.D. Davis has gotten way more playing time at third base. I think anybody thinks he should. Generally, Callaway is just... The Mets are winning because the team is so good. They're winning in spite of Callaway, not because of him. So I guess my first question to you, Chris, is... Was he this bad last year? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's what's concerning is it seems like he hasn't really learned too much yet um you know it it was i think it was something that everybody had hoped for um you know that he could come out of last season and you know i I, the defining things were the uh the moments where he had the you know (laughs) he burned a, a pinch hitter because he wasn't, he didn't wait for the announcement. You know, it wasn't official, uh, and it just came off like he didn't know exactly how that process worked. And then when he was asked about it, he didn't just own it and say, "Yep, my mistake. 
I'll fix it next time. He went with like, no, I meant to do that. Yeah. And just bullshitted his way through that. Uh, you know, and then it, it happened again. So I think the concern, uh, you know, some of this stuff does f- feel familiar. Um, you know, Keith and Gary had sort of an interesting take on the substitutions tonight uh, where Keith was, you know, liking that, hey, you've got all these guys, they're getting into games. And Gary was like, yeah, but they still have a game, you know, tomorrow afternoon in New York. And Wilson Ramos is still going to be catching that game. You know, maybe don't make him catch tonight. Um, And it was nice to get another RBI out of Ramos, but is that really necessary? Right. I mean, it it turned out to be necessary tonight, but it, it shouldn't be necessary. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it, um, I don't know. It just feels like there's just something that's not clicking there. You know, overmanaging a little bit, I think, is, is basically what's going on. The double switches, um, you know, Davis being in there as much as he has, you know, they, they went with saying McNeil's knee was a little eh today. And that's why Davis got the start, uh, and that wasn't in the plans. But, you know, whether or not Davis playing as much as he has is coming from Callaway or coming from the front office, I don't know. But, you know, ultimately, regardless of uh, of how that comes about, the manager is the face of making the lineup, you know. Uh, so that that's certainly a thing. And then with the bullpen, I just, it's like, it's twofold. I think if there's a silver lining in some of these games getting close and the Mets still holding on to win, uh, it's that it kind of exposes the the flaw that, you know, Diaz, Familia, great. Justin Wilson, good. Luis Avalon should be decent. You know, Lugo should be good when he's pitching in, I don't know, more more appropriate situations and and it's not like lugo hasn't thrown a lot of pitches but not usually over such a short span of time you know he last year he had plenty of two or three inning outings but they were usually 25 to 30 35 pitches not you know 43 and uh an inning and and a third or or less i forget exactly what it was on saturday but yeah i i don't know it just seems like Maybe they realized that we should have had like one more established reliever so that, you know, if if Diaz or Familia isn't available, there's one more guy who slots in there before we get down the rest of the list of of the guys in the pen. If only there were an elite relief pitcher still available on the market. I know. I know. Or, Or a decent starting pitcher who could bump Jason Vargas to the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how that would go, but it would be better than <laughs> the current scenario. Yeah. Um, if only those hypothetical guys were available. Yeah, yep. This episode has been brought to you by the letter K. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's all of those things that have been noticeable, and then what irks me is the way he's, you know, responding to some of these things. 
with Vargas, he he made up a term. <laughs> yeah, you got to read that full quote. Okay, hold on. I, I, let's let's pull that up. But you emailed it to me if that's easy to find it. Oh yeah, yeah no no. I, so, you know, he was asked about Vargas's performance. Um, I don't know specifically who asked the question, but Tim Healy in Newsday, uh, in his you know article about the game last night, uh, you know, he had pointed out that Vargas gave up a whole bunch of hard contact and, you know, how many of those turned into outs and how many didn't. Um, so it reads like Healy probably asked the question, but either way, in his piece, Callaway says, that's probably expected at times with him. He's going to make them miss hit it. And some of their miss hits go a little bit farther than other guys miss hits, but they result in outs. That's just typical Vargas. Miss hits. Mishits. I can't I don't even know. begin to guess what a mishit is. <laughs> like, uh, that just reads like 1984? Yeah, I was just going to say, it, it, it reads like somebody who doesn't want you to understand what they're saying. Right. Who's just talking out their ass. Right. Just like, no, 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 that, that, that was the plan. Five innings of getting giving up laser beam, you know, yeah. contact. This uh, is like when, when a certain president tweeted the word kofife mm-hmm. and then refused to say it was a mistake, and said right. it was like a secret message. People only certain people would understand. Right. <laughs> yes, that's the thing that happened, folks. <laughs> it is. Um, you know, it's just it's just it's this like utter lack of self awareness. And I don't think anybody would get mad at Callaway if he said, like, you know, no, I took a chance tonight and it backfired. I think that that kind of honesty is very appreciated from baseball fans. But right. he's never done that. And you actually pointed that to us last season early on. You said, like, I don't like the way this guy answers questions. And at the time I thought, like, sure, I guess so, but that's not going to be a thing. No, it, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like, and the thing is, too, I'm not saying I want him to go. Yeah, you know what? Jason Vargas kind of sucks, and I really wish the Wilpons would have signed Dallas Keuchel by now. You know, that's that's not what I expect him to say. But you can give an answer that isn't going to offend your pitcher, and just say, you know, he gave up some hard contact, but luckily a lot of those balls were hit right at guys, and you know, he did a great job with with his other at bats and the, you could still go with like the results were there. Absolutely, you know, he yeah. went five innings. We were in good shape. We had a big lead, you know, that that's, that's all we can ask for from, you know, from a guy in his, in his role on the team. And you can make the point, you can defend your player a little bit, even though, you know, he probably got lucky and just not come off. Like you're making up words, you know? Uh, so that it's just in and ultimately, and to your point about last year, you know, and it, it certainly has been a thing. Um, but if you're making all the right moves in the games uh, and, you know, we all know that no manager can make the right move 100 percent of the time. We, we get all that. But if you're just doing that well, then if you say wacky stuff after the game, it doesn't, you know, matter as much. But. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation. 
and I, I, I want to like him. I want him to succeed, but it's just not, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's a very, very weird situation. Um, we should say that, you know, Edwin Diaz picked up his third save of the season tonight, uh, after coming into the game and, and getting the one bat of the face him out. Um, and you know, Diaz now has, you know, said three saves in, uh, and you know he also pitched in a non-save situation for whatever reason on Monday night. It, it just seemed you know, and I'm I'm sure Diaz is going to be fine. Diaz, you know, there was the one kind of shaky outing he's had so far on on Monday, but overall, I'm not worried about Diaz. What I'm worried is that Diaz has appeared in four of the first six games, right. and at least two of those games he had no business being in. Yeah, they they need to find a way to prevent that from happening because you know he he should pitch a lot he's one of the very best in the game at what he does uh, but you really want to use those innings wisely yeah and, and you, you want to be in a spot where you know you, you don't feel like you have to go to him to to get you one out to end the game right and he's very capable of that but you know it's if I'm giving some benefit of the doubt, you know, if Gazelman could uh, could pitch better, that would be helpful. Um, it would, but but I I will say what I said in uh, in Slack tonight, which is that Gazelman should not have come into a game where there were two men on base and nobody out because Mickey thought that a Lugie was a two inning guy. Yeah. You know that that's true, and I'd have to look it up, um, you know, after after this episode. But I seem to remember Gazelman having a harder time coming into innings in the middle than starting innings. That does year. that does sound correct. But I also think that's one of those stats that's true of almost everybody. Yeah, but it it just seemed, and it could be perception, you know. But it, it seemed like it was a really major difference with him that. If you just gave him the ninth tonight, maybe it would have gone better, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... I guess what's disappointing early on is just, you know, you've had the whole off season, and October isn't really the off season for a non-playoff team. Like, you had that whole month to really dig through what, all right, what did we do this year? You know, what did, you know, what did I do? Mm -hmm. uh, how can I adjust? Uh, and obviously they made coaching changes and everything and, and all that, but it just feels like it's not that much different so far. And it, it feels much harder to adjust your tendencies in season than if you spend a winter thinking about them. Right. That's fair. All right, well, we have a really fun email here, Chris. All right. So um, this is from our friend uh, Alex, and he says uh, he is Flushtown fandom on Mason Avenue. And uh, so he has a series of would-you-rathers for us. All right. So I'm going to lay these out for you. Would you rather the Mets sign Dallas Keuchel or Stephen Matz grows a beard and does what Keuchel has done over the last four years – 
for his remaining ARB seasons. And then he said, uh, things to consider. Keuchel averaged a 3.37 ERA, 188 innings pitched, and 118 ERA plus in the time frame. Which I I think I'd rather just have Keuchel. <laughs> yeah. Because then Mats can still be better than Vargas. Exactly. It, it makes the team better. Uh, I will grant that it is tempting to pick the other option because Mats with a Keuchel beard just sounds really funny. It does. It does. But for the, for the sake of the Mets winning games... Uh, I, I would go with Keiko himself. If I had any confidence that the Mets would spend the Keiko money elsewhere well, then I would pick the Mets one. Mm. But I have no confidence in the Mets to to, to use uh, use that money wisely. All right. <laughs> um, would you rather full control over the MLB gameplay changes or the ability to set a league-wide minimum and maximum for payroll levels? So, okay, I have the ability yes. to do these things. Uh, I think payroll and player salaries are the bigger and more important issue. But if I can prevent the designated hitter from coming to in the National League, I'm going to take the gameplay rules uh, changes. Oh, I go the other way. Yeah? Yeah, I, 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 think, um, I think the players are better compensated They'll be happier and play better baseball, and game of pace of play will improve as it is. Yeah, well, I'm not concerned with pace of play. Neither I'm, am I, but you know, people rules, apparently are. Rules wise, I am yeah. in baseball very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no pitch clocks, no no DH in the NL, no bans on shifts. <laughs> um, keep my baseball the same. Better players playing it awesomely, but keep the rules of the game the same. Sure. All right. Would you rather Amazing Avenue have, a, in, have an exclusive interview with Brody Van Wagenen or Amazing Avenue audio be given the 3 to 6 p.m. slot on the fan? Oh, God, I don't want to be on the fan. No, I don't want to be on the fan either. I'm taking Brody real easily. Here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one was easy. I, I don't want to, have to, he- to hear from Nikki from Staten Island, you know, yelling at me for something that I didn't even say. Right, and I feel like the job is just whether you're playing the character or whether you're just like, oh my god, I have to, I have to put this person down. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do that for three hours. Couldn't agree more. All right, uh, would you rather train with Yuenis Cespedes while he is rehabbing, or enjoy a home cooked chicken dinner prepared by Brandon Nimmo? All right, well that's there's an early spring training joke in there. <laughs> yes, there is. But even if it was like, even if the story was Nimmo is the best cook on the team and he's really good at chicken, it would definitely be Cespedes. Yeah, I, I think it'll be. First of all, it couldn't help to get in some better shape for me personally, and uh, Cespedes seems like he'd be fun to train with. Yeah, yeah, he does. Okay, um, I'm skipping one of these. Okay, that's probably a good idea. Yep. Uh, would you rather? have the power to instantly create a weird smell under an opposing player's nose, or curse any athlete with persistent jock itch that lasts an entire season. Ah, Chase Atley retired. Yeah, exactly. But he still was a professional athlete, and he could still have it last all season. <laughs> the season he's not playing in, so I'll go with that. 
I think it'll be funny to just like you know have a terrible like not even a terrible. It would say this weird smell. So what if like you're trying to concentrate and hit the ball, and Jacob Degrom's pitching, and all of a sudden you smell burning Twinkies? <laughs> that would be very distracting. It would be, yeah. Okay, so here is the last one, and this one is pretty fun. Would you rather the Mets have an absolutely drama and injury-free 2019 season, or the Mets actually go all-in next offseason and sign Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, and any other offensive player and relieve your heart desires? Hmm. Drama drama, and injury-free. Injury-free, I, I think... I don't care as much about the drama. Um, in this hypothetical, the Mets extended DeGrom before Noah Syndergaard uh, very rightfully, publicly called him out for not doing it. Because uh, I, I guess that would count as drama. But I don't care so much about that side of things. But an injury-free season for the 2019 Mets... Uh, probably means that they are, you know, getting into the postseason in some capacity and potentially making noise there because, you know, if you need if you need to win one game or one short series, it's tough to do better than to Grom Syndergaard. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think that's my choice. Uh, would you go the other way with? No. No. Okay. I think that an injury-free Mets in 2019 is a playoff team. Right. And I don't know if... I mean, I like Garrett Cole. I don't hate how anti-stats he is, or anti-analytics he is, rather. Isn't he the one who said he would uh, he wouldn't let a he wouldn't let his manager start a game start a closer game? Um, I don't recall. I'll go with your memory on this one. I, I think he made some comments about that. Or was he the one who says he wouldn't pay to watch a, a math equation? He, 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 Maybe. <laughs> he, he made some shitty comment about analytics. That okay. was very dismissive. Um but like I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Garrett Cole makes the team as good as the rest as these guys being healthy. You know, if you could have both, that'd be great, but if this team's gonna get injured and not produce, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I have to go with you. I have to go with the injury and draw him a free 2019 season. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Well, that just about does it for our show uh, tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We hope you're enjoying um, From Complex to Queens, Unformidable, and A Pot of Their Own. Those are all great shows we're very excited about to having join uh, Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. As, uh, as our podcast network. Tomorrow, we're going to have a really special uh, show. It's um, I think I'm just going to call it Amazing Avenue in Conversation. We're just going to save that space for interviews when we get them. And we have a really special guest that's been in the news a lot this week. I'm not going to say who it is, but hopefully you can uh, figure it out. And uh, yeah, we talk about the thing he's in the news for. So it's a fun chat. Check that out. Uh, please go to AmazingAvenue.com for all your Mets news and information and fun stuff. We had 
a really great week of content this week. We have a great piece by Maggie Wigan about um, a parent's guide to City Field, which as a parent of two, I will be referring to before I bring my kids to a game in June. And uh, yeah, just you know, go to AmazingAvenue.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow uh, Chris and I on Twitter. I'm at Brian Needs an App. Chris is a Chris McShane. Um, anything else to add, Chris? Yeah, no, it's just it's good to be doing our thing again uh, after a few weeks of of uh, of hiatus. So yeah, no, it's uh, I'm as excited as as you are and as everybody else is about the new shows. And um, you know, when we look at it, and it's it's all still one subscription to a podcast, and uh, I think that makes it easy that you know basically everybody who's listened and has heard almost all of the people who are involved now on the, uh, the old format of the show, um, you can get all of that and listen to it in whatever order you prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and that, it, 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 I like it. it keeps it all in one place and, uh, yeah, it, it should be good. I agree. And so uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be here every Thursday. And until next time, let's go Mets.